0: Welcome back to another episode of Brooks Books. Today, I'll be reviewing *The Kate in Between* by Claire Swinarski, and the featured author is Kimberly Brubaker Bradley. Oh my gosh did I love this book. I got it recommended for one of my other book podcasts I listened to and this novel did not disappoint. It really shows you that everyone has layers and that everyone has a good and bad side to them. Before we start I have another big announcement. I have about 570 listens. That is incredible, and I want to say thank you to Jimmy and Mabel on the GZM Morning Show for giving me a shout out. Ever since that happened, I've gotten so many listens. Thanks again. Let's get started. Since we have no emails or comments, let's move on to the summary. Kate is killing 7th grade. She's now friends with Taylor Tobit and the Popular Gang. Sure, she may have dumped her old best friend Hattie, but ever since her mom left to sell True U products out of state, she doesn't want to look back at her old life and wants to put all her time into her new life, like being friends with Taylor. Sure, Kate thought Taylor was one of the worst people to walk the planet last year, but there are good sides to her. One day, while Kate is hanging out with Taylor and the group by a frozen pond, Hattie walks by and an accident happens, and Kate saves Hattie. Little does Kate know, Taylor videotaped the whole thing, editing out what was happening before Kate saved Hattie. Then, Taylor sends the clip to the local news station, and overnight, Kate becomes Kate the Great. She's famous, and every news station wants to interview her and Hattie. Even Kate's favorite YouTuber, Corey Seymour. But no one knows what was happening before Kate saved Hattie. That Kate was part of the bullying Hattie. Kate has to decide if she wants to be Kate the Great or Kate the Bully. Time for author information. Claire Swinarski, the author of this book, has written this novel along with her newer novel, What Happened to Rachel Riley, along with other books for adults and teens. Time for the first chapter. Every story has a villain, and the one in this story is me. I need to tell you that right off the bat. Look, all tales need a bad guy. In some books, it's obvious. In Peter Rabbit, you've got Mr. McGregor chasing the poor bunny through his garden with a pitchfork. Harry Potter has Voldemort. Holes has the Warden. But sometimes the villain is a little harder to see. Maybe it's a tornado, a person's own self-doubt, or a friend who isn't who you thought they were. Villains don't always walk around with signs that say evil hanging from their necks, snatching up hopes and dreams. In this story, the one you're sitting down to read, I'm the bad guy, okay? Just know that now. This is not a happy-go-lucky fairy tale where the beautiful princess gets rescued by a handsome prince and they ride off into the sunset. This is a story of good versus evil, of expectations versus reality, of cell phones versus your own two eyes. If you feel like I already gave away the ending, don't be upset. Surprises are great, except for when they're not. I once swore to Hattie Marks on a jar of fireflies that we would be best friends until the end of time. And I meant it. Hattie's parents owned the Starfish Center, the pool club on the east side of Madison. Since it belonged to Hattie's family, we got to go there for free. We spent almost every summer afternoon there. From when we were in first grade and her mom made us wear life jackets all the way up until the summer before seventh grade, when we mostly just dangle our feet in and watch Brett and Nico do cannonballs, splashing Taylor Taubet and all her friends. The air always smelled like coconut sunscreen and chlorine, and we split boxes of shower Patch Kids, talking about how next school year was going to change things. That summer, the summer between grade six and seventh, things had already started to shift. The air seemed to crackle with change. We'd see it in a commercial for our back-to-school clothes and notice our sunburns starting to fade. Sometimes we felt so grown up, like when, mom, like when Hattie's mom let us have sleepovers in the rec room at the Starfish Center, which is right next door to Hattie's house. But other times, we felt like little kids. When Taylor and her friends put little stickers on their stomachs while they tanned, creating pale hearts to show off to each other while Hattie and I ate hot dogs with extra ketchup. We felt tiny. On the last Saturday before school began, Hattie and I watched lightning bugs light up her backyard on fire, twinkling and winking at us as the sun went down. Our hair still wet from post-pool showers, and we started to shiver in our cut-off shorts and giant sweatshirts. We couldn't help but take a mason jar from our mom's gardening shed to capture as many fireflies as possible, poking holes in the top with a pair of scissors. We were way too old for that, and I felt it, that summer, the feelings of being too old. But something about it felt right, taking those little sparks of light, holding on to them for as long as possible. I love how Claire Swinarski's writing makes you feel like you're right there, watching every scene through your own eyes, but feel everything the main character's feeling. I can go on and on and on about the Kate in between, but now it's time for the cautions. This is a short segment today. This book is completely clean, but Kate's mom does lead to sell makeup, and that might stir some questions in younger kids. Also, a terrible accident happens when Hattie tries to grab her hat, and that might scare some younger children. That's all for the cautions, and time for the featured author, Kimberly Brubaker Bradley. <laughs> Most of you were probably like, who the heck is that? Most of you probably feel that way every time I have a featured author, unless you read a lot, like me. But before I tell you, I just want to give you a warning that since Miss Bradley's name is so long, I'll I'll refer to her as Miss Bradley. Alright, time to tell you who this amazing lady is. Miss Bradley wrote the book called The War That Saved My Life and the sequel The War I Finally Won, two amazing books I have both read and loved. She has also written a handful of other books, for example, Fighting Words and The Lace Maker and the Princess, to name a couple. She was born in Indiana in 1967 and loved to read as a kid. She was also the kind of kid who skipped recess to talk to the school librarian. She went through college majoring in chemistry first at one school and then getting a spot at Smith, an awesome school where they encouraged dreams very highly. She took lots of writing classes at Smith, and they were taught by none other than Patricia McLachlan, I think is how you say her name, a Newbery medalist author. Jane Yolen, another very popular author, ran a writing group nearby and also highly encouraged her very early writing attempts. After her marriage to her husband, who was studying medics, Miss Bradley decided she wanted to be a writer. When she got pregnant, she was making enough with side writing jobs that she quit being a chemist and became a full-time writer. Once her husband had finished his medical training, they moved to Bristol, Tennessee, so he could join a practice. She was pregnant with her second child at the time. Now her children are all grown up, and Miss Bradley and her husband still live in Bristol. Whew, that was a lot of information. Time for some fun facts. Her first novel was on six-state award list. She has published 20 books, and all the books she's published are age groups from preschool to young adult. Well, that's all for this episode. Stay tuned next week for my next episode. Make sure to email me at brooksbooks13 at gmail.com for book recommendations, or if you want a shout-out. My email is in the episode description. Keep reading! Bye!